It's the show the establishment warned you about. And thank you for choosing us to inform you today and entertain. This is the Dr. Tommy Show. I am your free market doctor, Dr. Tommy McRoy, bringing you the latest and greatest of all of the uh, perusings of the Internet that may uh, be a benefit to you. We're broadcasting from the great state of Florida, which is where it is raining cats and dogs currently. And it's springtime now, and it's also sprung forward, as you all know. Uh, springtime is... Um, when we do the spring the floor unless you're in arizona where you spring clocks forward and then uh, people have a period of adjustment maybe a week maybe they never adjust anyway they're trying to make that permanent and we'll see if that happens there's been a disagreement though among the medical uh, people who say well if you do uh, change the clocks you should change it to where if you're not going to change the clocks you should change it to where it is instead of daylight savings time all the time which is now the proposal to make it to where there is normal time or quote-unquote standard time which i was reading an article about it and apparently standard time arose in the in the mid uh, in the early 1900s it wasn't until there was some type of i don't know what it was passed anyway there's some type of a resolution or, or some some laws that came about that standardized time for real and that's when you had the same time in, in New York as you would in, in Florida or as you would in Georgia and then the other time zones. Anyway, uh, they passed that. And then uh, so now you have the spring forward and fall back and then people hate it. Most people hate it. Uh, and, and I don't care really if they don't. I, I don't know. I guess the purist would say it should be the standard time, which was picked arbitrarily back in 1900s. But anyway. If they pick the standard time or daylight savings time, I don't care as long as they just stop changing it back and forth. It's just uh, unnecessarily uh, disruptive. Broadcasting from the great state of Florida where Governor DeSantis is our governor. And uh, he's recently signed a bill. This is kind of interesting. He signed a few bills this week uh, or made the news a few times this week. But this one's on. Um, this is a good one. This is from The Blaze. It says, DeSantis signs bill to require a high school financial literacy course. Governor DeSantis, a Republican, signed a bill on Tuesday that will require high schoolers to take a financial literacy and money management course in order to obtain a standard high school diploma. The Florida legislature has passed a bill that includes a provision that would prohibit teaching. Okay, that's something different. Uh, The requirement will be applicable to students who start ninth grade uh, during the 23-24 school year and will cover such courses, uh, cover such issues as credit scores, calculating federal income tax, checkbook balancing, and more. That's great. Uh, We also made news, uh, Dr. or I'm sorry, Dr. Not not like Dr. Jill uh, Biden. This is, he's just merely a governor. Uh, Governor DeSantis, it says here, this is the other part of the article. Uh, the Florida legislature passed a bill that would includes a provision that would prohibit teaching kids in kindergarten through uh, third grade about sexual orientation. DeSantis, who plans to sign the legislation, said Tuesday, quote, if you're out protesting the, this bill, you are by definition putting yourself in favor of injecting sexual instruction to five, six and seven year old kids. So this is written by the blaze. How do I know that? Because I read it earlier and it was on the blaze. The other reason I know that is because they said uh, this is a bill that prohibits teaching kids in kindergarten through third grade about sexual orientation and gender identity. Well, if you were to read CNN or New York Times or the Washington Post or the Atlanta Journal Constitution or any of these other uh, known outlets of the uh, drive by media, it would have said 
Florida's legislature has passed a bill that includes a provision that would prohibit teaching kids about gay orientations because that's the don't gay, don't say gay bill. And that's what they said it was. And I, for most of you out there, you know that it doesn't say gay at all in the whole bill. It just says no sex bill, basically, is what it is. It's the no sex bill. But they have to they have to pick something that's kind of a, a lightning rod in order to disinform, disinform you because they're the disinformation specialists. They're drive-by media. And they have to pick something that's going to be uh, controversial and something that will tug at the heartstrings of people and say, well, you know, there's gay people out there. They're, they're straight people. Surely the kids should be uh, allowed to uh, mutter the word gay. And now Governor Santos has made it to where if they do that, then whatever happens, happens, which is not what they said. They just said, don't don't teach my kindergartner through third grade. And that's pretty reasonable about penises and vaginas and and every damn thing else. Uh, hold on to your seats, guys. This is uh, from the blaze as well. Uh, if you have been putting away your N95 mask or your surgical mask or your cloth mask or you've been making plans to travel or you have otherwise kind of, you know, begun to ease back into normal life, uh, watch out. This is from The Blaze. Fauci says another COVID-19 surge in the, US, in the U.S. is unlikely. Well, if you've been following this for two years, that is that news, that, that headline is uh, reason for great concern because if Fauci says there's not going to be another COVID-19 surge, you better be prepared for a COVID-19 surge. Uh, because what Dr. Fauci says is typically always wrong. And how do you know this? Because when he says it, if you wait a couple of weeks, he'll go back and say something that was diametrically opposed to what he said before. And so it says here, um, this is from Dr. Fauci. Uh, during a Washington Post live event. Now, Dr. Fauci was missing in action, and then there was a bunch of, uh, he got a bunch of grief from it. Uh, Clay and Buck were teasing him, and uh, some other people were teasing him about, you know, where's Dr. Fauci? Dr. Fauci disappeared, and it was thought that that he was removed from the scene by the powers that be because of his, uh, he's he's associated with lockdowns, he's associated with, you know, plexiglass and masking and, and making the kids uh, stay on the plane with a mask on and kicking the family off. If there's no mask, the kid can't wear a mask. Anyway, they took him out of the circulation and said, look, this guy's bad. But now they brought him back. I guess he was shamed into coming back. So he's back in during a Washington Post live event. And he says, uh, I would not be surprised at all if what we do see, if we do see somewhat of an uptick the extent of it and to the degree that it impacts seriousness of diseases like hospitalization and deaths remains to be seen. I don't really, unless something changes dramatically, uh, I don't really see unless something changes dramatically that there would be a major surge. So hold on to your butts because most likely there is a major surge coming. And then Dr. Fauci says, we can't claim absolute victory at this point. There's still viral dynamics. We still have a high transmissibility virus among us, particularly the BA2, which has a greater degree of transmissibility than the the already highly transmissible BA1, which was the original Omicron. So the advice is to proceed with life as normally as you possibly can, but prepared that we may need to make modifications if things change. Aha, there we go. The other shoe. And so I went into Publix yesterday and I was pleased to see that. I was like, there's something different here. Ah, no plexiglass. There was no plexiglass. The, the, The thing that has basically saved us thus far the only thing that's really saved us so far from not being wiped off the pot the face of the earth like the dinosaurs 
is plexiglass, cloth mask, cotton mask, I'm sorry, uh, surgical mask, and the occasional N95 mask and social distancing. If it hadn't been for that, we wouldn't be talking right now. Uh, this is funny too. This is from Breitbart. This is Rand Paul. Rand Paul's, he, he just really, uh, he speaks for so many of us out there who are, are not uh, of the type to just follow along with whatever the media says and whatever the establishment says. It says, Rand Paul, quote, menace Anthony Fauci, quote, hasn't been right really about anything since the start of the pandemic. It says, uh, on Fox News Channel's America Reports, Rand Paul railed against him, his, uh, railed against, railed against chief of, no, wait, okay, blah, blah. Railed against Chief White House Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci for warning about a return of restrictions due to a new strain of COVID-19. He says, <laughs> quote, if you believe Dr. Fauci, then you should go immediately go and get stickers and make sure they're on the floor everywhere you go and a yardstick so that you know you're six feet away from people and plexiglass. <laughs> Carry plexiglass around with you because Dr. Fauci thinks that plexiglass somehow, you know, reflects the virus away from you. None of that has worked. None of that has been, none of the... Not one thing he's advocated other than the vaccine, and I'm not against the vaccine, but the interesting thing is, is he won't admit this to the public. If you take a sample of blood from a thousand people anywhere in the United States and measure it to see if they have antibodies to the virus or antibodies to the vaccine, it's over 95%. That's why we're doing better with this. We've been immune. We've been, we developed immunity either from having disease or from being vaccinated. And that's why we're doing better. In addition to the fact that the virus is mutated to a less virulent or less deadly form, but he won't admit it because he's caught up in putting stickers on floors, putting masks on your face, putting goggles on you. This guy's a menace, and he hasn't really been right about anything since the start of this. So this was from, uh, let's see, this was March 23rd. And so when did Fauci talk? Fauci was speaking. Uh, same. It looks like it was reported the same day. I'm not sure when he spoke to this uh, group. But that he knows. He knows that, you know, They've told him. They said, look, Fauci, we're going to let you back out there. Here's your talking points. Don't say anything about plexiglass. Don't say anything about mask. I want you to go out there and say, look, we're getting over this. You can even you can even claim Biden did it. Just, you know, don't 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 scare these people anymore because they're going to murder us at the uh, at the uh, ballot box in 2022. But he couldn't help it because when he, he, he finished off, he said, uh, you know, uh, my advice is to proceed with life as normally as possibly can, but be prepared for what we might need to do to make modifications if things change. So he couldn't let it go. He's like, he just saw the plexiglass in his garage that he's he's been selling. He's like, I, I got to get rid of this stuff. Back to COVID news. This is interesting. Epic times. Leaders of 10 major U.S. airlines call on Biden to drop mask mandates, pre-departure testing requirements. The advocacy group Airlines for America issued Joe Biden a letter demanding the end of mask mandates for transportation and other COVID-19 requirements, such as pre-departure testing for international flights. The letter from the group's board of directors was signed by the leaders of 10 major U.S. airlines, including American Airlines, United, Delta, and Southwest. We are encouraged by the current data and the lifting of COVID-19 restrictions from coast to coast, which indicated it's past time to eliminate the COVID-era transportation policies, the group wrote in the letter which comes as overall numbers of infections decline in the nation, according to the data from the Center for Disease Control. You know, it's kind of interesting that everybody's jumping on board with this decline, because if you look at them, you, you can, uh, one of the best charts to look at in my mind, easiest to find too, is if you just go to the internet and search 
uh, Y charts, Y C H A R T S, and then whatever state or country you're interested in, and they either say COVID deaths or COVID cases, and that brings up a chart pretty quick. And if you look at a chart like that, what we're seeing now is just a normal ebb and flow of what we've seen with COVID since it started in 2020. So now everybody's jumping on board and saying, "Look, the um, the cases are down. We can we can start, we can pull back our guard, and you know we can start doing all these things. We can live life normally." But it's it's no different than it has been before. So I don't know why suddenly. Well, I do know why. I don't know why they say that suddenly we can do that when before we couldn't do that. And the reason they say that now is because everyone collectively wants to forget COVID at, for the for the elections. They don't want that. Um, they don't want that uh, hanging around in the air. And originally, the companies went along with the government because the government said, look, we're going to have all these COVID restrictions, COVID this, COVID that. And the and corporations aren't stupid. They know who uh, butters their bread. They want to please the government because they know they can either get you know, certain things from the government or, or if they act a certain way that government will punish them a certain way. So they want to be in bed with the government. The government, big business is they're in cahoots and so uh that's why they were like you know let's uh let, let, let we'll play along yeah yeah everybody's got to wear a mask you can mask up between bites that'll prevent covid transmission and everyone will be happy but now now the politicians are saying we need to move on past covid and when they're saying that now that gives the um that gives the corporations an allowance so to speak, to say, look, we want to move past this too, and we want to get rid of this stuff because these 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 passengers are pissed off. This is funny. This came to me from uh, <clears throat> I have a Cleveland Clinic continuing medical medical education email that gets sent to me, and this is from the AP. This is one of the links that they had. It says doctors facing hurdles and using pills to treat COVID nineteen. It says health systems across the country are rushing out same-day prescription deliveries. Some clinics have started testing and treating patients in one visit, an initiative that President Joe Biden's administration recently touted. The goal is to get patients started on either Pfizer's Paxlovid tablets or Merck's Molnupiravir capsules within five days of developing symptoms. That can prevent people with big health risks from growing sicker and filling up hospitals if a, if a surge develops. Um, then it goes on to say, um, there's this guy that got sick, uh, and he says, uh, the article says, some people don't consider themselves high risk and don't think they will be sick enough to need pills, which are free to patients. <laughs> Note that. Remember that. They're also worried about side effects or how the drugs would interact with other medications. Very smart, right? Very smart of these patients to be worried about side effects, how it's going to interfere with other medications, and also, do I really need this? But Wait. It says, Jeff Carlson couldn't try Paxlovid when COVID-19 hit him in January because it might interfere with his heart medications. The 61-year-old suburban St. Paul, Minnesota resident has type 1 diabetes and heart disease. A doctor asked him to try Molnupiravir about three days after he started feeling symptoms. By then, Carlson couldn't get off his couch. His fever had soared and he was struggling to breathe. His wife picked up the prescription and a few days later, Carlson felt well enough to shovel snow. Turned me around basically in a matter of pretty much 18 hours after I took the first dose, he said. Some health care providers have started, here it is, free delivery services for Paxlovid or Molnupiravir. So there he is. And this is funny, too. New York City has established a hotline patients can call if they test positive. This is funny because when as soon as I read this, I was like, hmm, 
two things. One, these these drugs that they're that they're uh, touting now and they're pushing out and they want everyone to get on it. Uh, they're very expensive. Their brand new drugs are very expensive. And then some of the same things that they're saying that happened with these patients were said about the uh, dreaded hydroxychloroquine. Uh, hydroxychloroquine. And but the later they were able to make studies that say hydroxychloroquine is not effective. And uh, the reason we know this is because we gave it to COVID patients in three times a normal dose and they got sick. And so we know it's not effective. Uh, but it's just funny because if you say, well, this is a, a free program, right? Free means Santa Claus, right? Wrong. Here's how much this COVID cost, this, this COVID drug cost. This is from GoodRx. How much does it cost? Paxlovid per per dose per dose five hundred and thirty dollars. Oh, okay. And then per dose, molnupiravir seven hundred dollars. And so, if you're looking at that, uh, and it's free, that only can mean one thing, and that is the government is paying for it. And I was right. The government is paying for this. It says. Um, it says here, uh, blah, blah, blah. COVID-19 pills are in short supply while other areas, areas may have plenty in stock. More courses have been delivered to states uh, so far, blah, blah, blah. Somewhere in here it talks about how, how, much, how the government's doing it. And it's this, this test to treat program. This test to treat program is authorizing people or authorizing uh, payments to these companies so that people can get these pills. And if you read that article, it's like a uh, it's like an advertisement uh, for it, but it's actually not an advertisement. That's supposedly a, a just a, a straight up news media article, and uh, so you have to read all these things with a little bit of a jaundiced eye. And like I said, this costs five hundred thirty dollars. I think it's per dose here. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, per dose five hundred thirty dollars. And then uh, 700 for this other one. And the government's paying for it. So it's not free, actually. It's not free. But they're pushing it now. It's pushing it hard. Um, I don't know if you saw this. This is a, this new uh, Supreme Court Justice, Kajani Brown-Jackson. Um, she's the uh, replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, actually, no, not the replacement for Ruth Bader That was a, another three-name person, Amy Coney Bryant. Uh, no, Kajani Brown-Jackson's going to replace the retiring uh, justice um, is it I forgot his name now anyway one of the three uh, quote unquote liberals on the judge on the court not including um, our swinging uh, chief justice but she's going to replace him Breyer yeah and so anyway it says this is Tom Cotton though the Tom Cotton's really been on the case and if Tom Cotton better watch himself because the more he pushes this, uh, the the less likely he's going to be able to uh, assume any type of um, national uh, national uh, notoriety because he will be soon called a racist. Because uh, Tom Cotton has said to Kajani Brown Jackson, who is black, I don't find your testimony, quote, credible. I think child pornographers reoffended because you gave them a light sentence. And it says... Uh, Senator, this is from Breitbart. Senator Tom Cotton told the president, Joe Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Kajani Brown-Jackson, that he did not find her testimony credible after the judge claimed she did not remember a child pornographer to whom she gave a light sentence. 
Uh, the sentencing guidelines for this offense called for a sentence of 97 to 121 days or 8 to 10 years. The prosecutors asked for two, 24 months. You sentenced him to three months. We've heard a lot about this case in your back and forth over the three-month sentence of Wesley Hawkins, the center continued. But you got another crack at him in 2019, Judge. In 2019, you sent uh, Wesley Hawkins back under conditions of confinement with the bureaus of prisons for six months with additional restrictions on his computer usage. And he goes, uh, he says, well, what, you know, he asked her, what, what happened here? What did the guy do in 2019? That's twice the amount of time in custody that you sentenced him in 2013. What did Wesley Hawkins do in 2019, Judge? Uh, Cotton asked. To which Jackson replied, oh, I don't remember, Senator. I've had a lot of defendants who I've sentenced. And then he goes on to say, uh, you know, what I think happened is I think that he goes, you know what I think? I think he got caught with child pornography again. And I think that if he had been in prison for eight to 10 years that the guidelines called for in 2013, when he first sentenced him, he wouldn't have reoffended, which is, which is, which is probably a, a true. Um, but like I said, um, despite uh, his uh, credible uh, um criticism of Kajani Brown Jackson, I think he runs the risk of being painted as racist because Tom Cotton is white and Kajani Brown Jackson is black. And uh, this just doesn't fly when you're going from one side to the other. Conservative attacking or not attacking, criticizing uh, liberal or progressive is not allowed. Now, back to uh, judges who are black and this is uh, Janice Rogers, um, who was the uh, nominee under President George W. Bush back in the back in the old days. Janice Rogers Brown, I believe her name was. Anyway, she was a nominee for the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, then Senator Joseph R. Biden was one to proudly uh, um, proudly filibuster her when she was nominated for Supreme Court. And uh, he actually also, you know who else he rolled, raked over the coals? You know who else he did? Clarence Thomas, who happens to be black. And so if you look at this case, and I hate that we have to talk about skin color, because um, I view it as irrelevant. You know, Tracy makes a joke sometimes that she forgets that I'm Filipino until she sees me in a picture. And that's, that's a good thing, because I don't think of her as white. I don't think of my dad as white when I was a kid and my mother was Filipino. You know, you see people in terms of color, it's degrading. It's uh, really insulting, actually, because you reduce them to something that's physical. And that's kind of what uh, the, the Dr. Martin Luther King used to talk about is the content of character, not the color of skin. And yet we are fixated on color. And we're fixated on color and, and genitalia and what do you want to do with your genitalia? Uh, do you want to, where do you want to, where do you want to put your genitalia and all these just things that are not rel- relevant to what people's character is. But uh, Kajani Brown Jackson is going to get admitted to the Supreme Court. She's going to get confirmed. Uh, the people who will confirm her will be every Democrat and uh, then there's also going to be Republicans, and there's going to be a lot of Republicans. I've I've heard uh, um, I've heard um, uh, Clay and Buck say that they don't they think there'll be like one, maybe Mitt Romney. They think I don't. There's going to be a lot. My prediction is there'll be probably short of ten, but close to ten Republicans who vote for her. 
And the reason they'll vote for her is because they don't want to be seen as opposing the first black female Supreme Court judge. But, again, that's only because she is a progressive. <clears throat> no one had a problem, uh, in the media, that is, with uh, Janice Rogers Brown, I believe that was her name, being uh, opposed by Senator Joseph R. Biden back then. And no one in the media, actually they championed it, had a problem when Clarence Thomas was being accused of uh, sexual, uh, sexual, uh, whatever you want to call it, harassment, they called it harassment. That's when the first word harassment first came out. I used to call it harassment, but then the media says, no, it's pronounced harassment. Anyway, so, but no one talked about it then. And, and the reality is, is no one should ever talk about it except as a, just a thing in passing. Uh, it should not be a, a, a dominant thing to to associate with someone as a person you know it's degrading we have patients that are we have patients that are all colors in this practice all skin colors let's put it and if you were to read um they they put out stuff for the for doctors and you see it too yourself but they say look you know certain patients want to be treated a certain way and one of the ways you can tell how they need to be treated is based on their skin color now this is from these are from the medical establishment. The medical establishment says that there's not enough brown, black and brown doctors because a black or brown patient feels more comfortable with a black, black or brown doctor. That's what that's what the media I'm sorry, medical establishment says. And so therefore we need to have more brown or black doctors. Uh, what we need to have is more doctors who want to be uh, involved in patient care and not subservient to insurance companies. That's what we need. It doesn't matter if they're black or brown. It doesn't matter if they're white. It doesn't matter what color they are. They just need to be dedicated to patients rather than dedicated insurance companies. But that's not what we hear. We hear more black or brown. So you think about it is, to me, they're saying, now you're supposed to go into a room, look at a patient, see their skin color, and say, all right, what color is this person? And based on that, I'm supposed to treat them uh, differently. Uh, I guess I guess what I'm supposed to do, and this is I guess what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to go in there, and if it's a, a black or brown patient, then I guess since I'm kind of brown, then I feel like they're comfortable with me. But for my white patients, uh, I'm supposed to uh, maybe maybe I'm supposed to give them less care because they have white privilege. I don't know. I don't know what the the rules are for that. But if I was white, for instance, let's say that I, uh, let's say that I, my mother is Filipino, my father is Caucasian, right? Scott Irish descent, mostly European English. Let's say that I favored him more than my mom. Then when I walked in there, because of my skin color, I would be able to treat white patients a certain way because they would be comfortable with me because they're white and I look white too. But because I favored more of my mother as far as complexion is concerned, now when I walk in, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to somehow identify the the, the, the skin color of the person, and then uh, make make decisions about their care and about how I interact with them based on that, which is absolute lunacy, and it's a sick thing that we need to get rid of in this country is this this fixation on race and skin color and sexual orientation and genitalia and everything else, and it's used to divide us all. 
uh, well, on that happy note, I will leave you. And uh, if you want to join us for more Dr. Tommy show, go to drtommy.com slash podcast. And if you also want to join us on Rumble, you can do that because I think YouTube may not like what I have to say. You can see that because every show I say they have a little COVID-19 warning about it, how this is potential disinformation. And you can also join us on all of your favorite uh, MP3 uh, downloads or, or streaming services such as Spotify. I like to use iHeartRadio because I use it uh, for listening to the Clay and Buck show. So I think that would be a good one for you to try. Anyway, we uh, invite you to if you're living in Tampa and you want to have a uh, consult with us to come in and find out about what we do here. Uh, we do a sports and family medicine practice, which is concierge medicine, uh, which means that you pay us. You don't pay insurance companies, and then we give you direct access to us, and we'll give you our 100% commitment. Uh, and we're committed to your health and helping you get as good as you can be. And that's our only uh, concern is our concierge medicine practice going now on 10 years here in Tampa. So we invite you to go to drtommy.com, and like I said, go to podcast, or if you want to learn more about our our medical medical side and plus we're going to be getting IVs soon because we moved the studio room to this room and now my old office which was the studio room is going to be for uh, IV therapy so if you're interested in that coming soon but uh, in, in, in uh, anyway enjoy your weekend and have a, a good safe weekend and we'll see you next time